Welcome to the Disciple Making Leader Podcast, your resource for exploring the world of disciple making and leadership within the church. Discover Jesus' strategy for raising up leaders, growing the church, and multiplying a movement. Let's jump into today's episode and explore the power of a disciple making leader. Well, welcome to the Disciple Making Podcast called The Disciple Making Leader. And uh, super excited to be here with my good friend, Craig Etheridge. My name is Glenn Underhill. This is our 10th episode. No, actually, this is our 11th episode, I believe. And That's right. uh, man, we're, uh, we're coming to the tail end of talking about the book you just wrote called The Disciple Making Leader. Yep. Hence the yep, Disciple yep. Making Leader podcast. But um, it's I'm been sitting a here, great uh, time. Drinking my little Topo Chico. Every time we come on this podcast, you're drinking another one. <laughs> so um, I'm going to think you're with like, the lime. Got to get the one with the lime. Get the, yeah. Lime. So every time you're doing it, you're you're on top of that. So, um, so you know, we've been really kind of diving into this idea that Jesus is our model for life and for ministry, and uh, that um, that you know, if he's our our, our 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 model for life and for ministry, therefore we want to you know, help people become a fully trained disciple through a spiritual pathway. Yes. Jesus had a pathway of making disciples, you make disciples, but he also was this, uh, he was a movement builder, right? Yeah, he, right. you know, and we've been talking about this all the way through, but he was building a movement of multiplication and raising up leaders through a pipeline. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes though we separate the two, we pull the two apart, but we're saying, Really, they ought to be brought together. Yeah, that's right. And um, and because if we make disciples, we make disciples. We should always have enough leaders, but we've got to raise up the right kinds of leaders, which are disciple-making yes. leaders, as they're working through that pipeline. So, I, I again, I'm super jazzed about this conversation as we're going to be diving in today about uh, just talking about an organizational leader. This is at the top of that pipeline. Yeah. But before I do that, let me just introduce myself really quickly and then introduce you too, because I know you're, you know, with you being on the past, I'm podcast. My name is Glenn Underhill. I am the director of Disciple First. I'm also the pastor of spiritual development at Cross Creek Church in the DFW area. I love what I do. I get to train, but then I also get to be a practitioner trying all these things out in the local church. And I, and I love it. It's, yeah. just a, it's just a blast. And get to do it with you too. It's, yeah. a, it's a really cool thing. And then on the podcast with me is my good friend, uh, the pastor of Cross Creek Church, as well as um, our, our, our chairman of the board of, of uh, Disciple First, kind of the founder of Disciple First. And uh, really a, a, a blessing to be with you, buddy. And, and just, you know, and you have written several books in the area of disciple making, and you just wrote this book on the disciple making leader. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Glenn. It's always a joy to be here with you, man. We've been at this a while, haven't we? We've been at it a few <laughs> and, and, and it's years. truly been a team effort, and it's been a great joy. You know, we've, we've been at this a long time uh, trying to figure out what does it look like to make disciples in the context of local church? Yeah. And uh, we've stayed at it for 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 many many years and and continue to stay at it and continue to seek to get better and learn more and grow we are not in any way saying we got it all figured out uh, we we just have made a lot of mistakes, right? Yeah. And uh, we're trying to get better. Yeah, I always tell people we're definitely not experts, 
we're just one beggar, you know, <laughs> to another beggar, maybe just a step or two out ahead. So, right, that's right. Um, but anyway, so let's let's dive into this subject of an organizational leader. So on our last podcast, and I would recommend that you go back to these other podcasts mm-hmm. and fill in the blanks, or or go and get the book, The Disciple Making Leader. You can get that on our website at uh, disciplefirst.com or on Amazon. Uh, you can get, uh, get this book, but uh, we, we've been looking at it. We, we Last episode, we talked about the departmental leader, and now we're at the very top of this, this pipeline, the organizational leader, which really not everyone is going to get there just because of right. skill and gifting, and there's – um, and and that's okay. I mean, right. and but there is a necessity for having these organizational leaders. So let let's start there. Let's start with what is a really solid definition of an organizational leader, and uh, and then we'll we'll start tackling it from 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 that point yeah. on. So the organizational leader, just by definition, is often a a paid staff member with the responsibility to oversee multiple departmental leaders and prayerfully champion the culture of the church through visionary and strategic leadership. So that's that's a big definition that just means, hey, this person or group of people are really setting the pace for the whole organization. You know, they're not just running a department, they're running multiple departments, and now they they set the course through strategy and vision and direction and prayer, much prayer, saying, where, where do we go as an organization? And so this would be like a senior pastor, it could be um, an executive team. Like in, a, in our our context, we have a senior leadership team. They're all leading as organizational leaders. Some churches may have a board of elders that are responsible for giving leadership to the whole church. Uh, it really kind of depends on your polity, but but these are the people that are really responsible to set the course for the whole church body. Yeah, and and I would say. As it relates to this, this this is a kind of a scaling up or scale, just depending on the, the size and scope of ministry mm-hmm. yeah. that uh, your church may be may, may be doing. I mean, it it may be in a smaller church. This is one individual, or right. if they have a a group of elders in in a church, that those would be that mm-hmm. that piece. Um, it could be that um, as the church is, you know getting larger and bigger again you know there, there may be a pastor and an associate pastor who are right. and the associate pastors giving leadership to the departmental leaders and, and then answering up to the and they again would have somewhat of this this same thing as a is an organizational leader but right. again it's just going to look a little bit different based on size and scope of church. Right. So, and, and you've been in some of the different churches where they've done it differently. Yeah. You know, yeah. You've been in elder kind of led churches and some where there's an executive pastor that kind of gave oversight, you know, so it, I know just even your own personal experience. Yeah. I've, I've been on staff that has been led by an elder team and they gave oversight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, as even a staff, we were, we were tucked up under that elder team, and they they were the ones that were giving vision and direction, and, and we would, you know, function under their leadership. Uh, our senior pastor sat on that on that elder board as well, but um, it was really a plurality of that. And then I've worked, you know, here where we have a we have an organizational and executive team, and then I've also served as a as as 
with a senior pastor as his executive pastor of a, of a large church where, you know, we were that executive team, but I was in that organizational role um, because of, of where I was sitting in, in leading that organization. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's looked different. Yep. in multiple places that I've been. Yeah, but they, they, we're talking here about the organizational leader. So if you're a senior pastor, if you're on that senior leadership team or you're functioning that role, then that's who we're, we're talking to you in this. Um, and I, I can remember uh, when I was a divisional leader, department leader, and um, I moved into the organizational leader role. And it was my first time to do that. Yeah, I never done that before. There's always the first time, you know, for right. for everything. Right. And and I remember we had gone from a, kind of a suburban church in Texas. We had moved to Oklahoma. We mo- we were moving into kind of a uh, somewhat uh, inner city or at least uh, center city uh, type of type of church. And we were moving all our boxes in, all our books in, everything. And there was the the desk and and a, the chair. And uh, my mom just kind of made a, a kind of a just a funny kind of casual comment. She said, uh, well, there's the chair of the senior pastor, you know, <laughs> and I can remember uh, turning to her and I said, yeah, that chair has got a lot of weight on it. Mm. And I don't know, but I felt that, you know, I, I mean, it seemed like when I was a department leader, there was always somebody I could <laughs> point up to that was going to make the ultimate hard call or that uh, that carried the weight. You know, I, I had my department, but I didn't have to care about the whole church. But man, when you step into that organizational role, there is a weight to that position that, man, there's nobody else to defer to. You know, this it, it, literally the buck does stop there. And there's a, a level of weight and responsibility. Um, and there's a heaviness to that that I think you only know that when you're in that spot. And um, and if you're if you're in that role right now, you're you're nodding your head. Yeah, I, I feel it. I feel the weight of that. And so we don't want to minimize that. There is a weight to the organizational leader, and, and as a result of that, you bear a, a tremendous responsibility to your people and a tremendous responsibility to God. You know, there are some people that that climb that you know up the pipeline, so to speak, and they kind of feel like getting into that that organizational lead role is really. Uh, just payment for all the hard work they've done to get there. Like, I kind of deserve this. You know, I, I, I worked my way up. I kind of deserve it. So whatever whatever benefits there are to being in that lead role, you know, hey, this is this is something I deserve. But there are others that, that serve in these various capacities. And when they hit that role of leadership, it's not a sense of, hey, this is payment for me, but it is like, man, I now am responsible. I'm responsible to God for where we go. I'm responsible to the church for where we go. I'm responsible to the staff to lead them well and and to take care of them and to shepherd them. And you just feel this overwhelming sense of responsibility. And I think that's really where it should be. I think leadership does equal responsibility and and that you should be feeling like, how do I help people and lead people. It's not about my charisma or my, you know, what I'm enjoying. It's about, man, I've got to steward this well while I'm, um, while I'm in this position of leadership. Yeah, that's, that's really good. You know, um, I think as you think about this definition, as you wrestle with it, I think there are also, as we've been talking about, there are certain distinctives that really describe or, or skill sets that really 
are very important for an organizational leader within the church to have. And so let, let's kind of unpack some of those. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's, well, we've got maybe five of them that are, I think are, are very crucial. So let's, why don't, let's, why don't we tackle the first one and, 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 and what is it? And, 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 then, and then let's just uh, give maybe a little bit of commentary on, on, on that as well. Yeah, so I would say the f- first thing an organization has to do is to make good decisions that help departmental leaders and the whole church succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you have to be able to make good decisions. And, and, not, and sometimes guys are paralyzed by this. They're like, I don't know what's the right decision. You know? And so they, they become paralyzed by it. But I think hopefully if, you have, if you've led at the leader of leaders level and then you've led at the departmental level, then you've kind of learned how to make good decisions. Not every good decision is an easy decision. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would go back and say probably the toughest part of the role here is having to make these hard decisions, you know, and that's why you're in that role. And there will be hard decisions where you have to, you know, make a change and that's going to upset people. That's going to hurt people, but it's best for the organization. And so you have to always be looking out for what is best for the organization, what's best for the ministry moving forward to, to fulfill the objective that Jesus gave us. We can't just opt out for that. And so there takes some courage, I think at times, Glenn, and some, um, some internal fortitude to be able to say, Hey, even though I know not everybody's going to like the decisions that I make, that at the end of the day, I answer to an audience of one, really. Mm-hmm. I have to answer to Jesus who put me responsible for this position to say, I'm going to make the best decisions I can. And I also think that making good decisions is also surrounding just good people around you. You know, you can't make those decisions just in, in a vacuum. In a total vacuum, yeah. And I think that there is some wisdom in that, right? And I right. think that's where an organizational leader kind of has a great idea of, of who to kind of uh, include in some of those decision making mm-hmm. but at the end of the day you're still the one putting your 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 thumbprint on it right <laughs> saying That's you right. know uh, and it and and we will judge accordingly based on you as the leader but right. I, I still do think that you're right on target they i i'd even like to say they don't they don't make good decision that they have to make great decisions yep. at times because and sometimes a great decision is one that doesn't look on the appearance to be a, a, a great thing as you were saying right. so uh, decision making is is absolutely paramount because if you you can't be at an organizational level leader and not be willing to make some of the make some some decisions because mm-hmm. it's just part of the job it is and if you can't do that you don't feel comfortable doing that you're really afraid that how you know, people will perceive you then this may not be your role I mean there's other roles that you could play you know that you don't have to do that right. and so I think that's a good internal assessment if I'm really because we talk with leaders all the time we're coaching them up and they're like I just don't want to make a decision like then you're in the wrong spot you're in the wrong seat yeah, and and so maybe let's find another seat where you don't have to do that because this is the role. Yeah, yeah I I was recently dealing with a situation in our church and and was sharing with an individual that hey, I I understand uh, what they were trying to communicate, but I said at a, at a at a leader level, I I am asked to make a decision that isn't always going to to be 100% embraced. And we, not in a vacuum, but I did ultimately, this is my decision. I, I, I am standing behind the decision, even though I know that it is not what 
you like or or want, but we believe it is in what is in the best interest of the organization. And I, there wasn't always a time, I, I you know, and, and not that I necessarily, I, I, I love to, you know, whoa, you know, this yeah. power, but, I, but there are just times that you have to do that. So that, that's good. The second one is that uh, they work with direct reports to grow them as leaders. Yeah, I think what, it's- What were a, you trying to say here? Well, I think a lot of times, you know, guys get in the senior leader role and they're like, well, everybody just, I just bark out you know, orders and everybody's supposed to scurry and do what I tell them to do. Uh, that's one um, paradigm. Another paradigm is I just don't make any decision. I just kind of let everybody kind of run amok, you know, and, and I think that, that both are equally bad. Uh, but I think that senior leader has to always be looking at, the, at those just directly underneath them and saying, how am I making them better? How am I? How am I making them better? What am I doing to to coach them up? What am I doing to expose them to books and resources? I mean, there's a scad of stuff out there, right? Yep. I mean, I'm just like pick something, you know. I mean, if you don't now, if you have some assessment tools that you can use to really assess where they're at, and so now you're not, you know, now you're you're really dialing into some specific training that they need. But but the role of the of the senior leader or the organizational leader is to help everyone get better, and you should create a culture where we're all working at getting better together. And um, sometimes cultures are not like that. Sometimes cultures are oppressive. Sometimes cultures are domineering. But the best organizational leaders are creating a culture where everyone seems to be able to grow around them. Yeah. And they're not, af- they're not afraid of being the lid, right? They, they, in fact, they want people on their team. They're maybe even better leaders than themselves. That's because- right. Well, not maybe, they are better leaders than themselves and getting them to a place where they become better leaders and you because they, man, if you want to surround yourself with great people and helping them to succeed and and really ultimately the kingdom of God succeeds in that way. But I I think that uh, you've been really good at this uh, because we've worked together now for over 22 years and I look back and I, I see how you have exposed me not only to certain readings, um, to certain uh, some some great leaders that you've mm-hmm. put me in front of that I could never go back and repent and just say wow thank you very much but I think the other thing that has made you really good at this is that you work well with uh, us on the executive team because you're a learner yourself yeah. and because you're pushing yourself to continue to to grow and to improve as an organizational leader it causes us to improve as well. And right. so I think when you think about working with your direct reports to help them grow, if you're not growing as an organizational leader, yeah. those underneath you are probably going to hit a lid as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, putting yourself in a position to grow. I was speaking at a leadership conference uh, last week and um, – yeah, I could have gone in there and, and just did my thing and left, you know, but man, I was like, I had the, I was sitting up at the front, you know, I'm just trying to get anything I can of, and they were great speakers. They were super good and was able to draw something. I need to drill down on this. I need to get better at this. And there's so many resources available. Hey, hey, lead pastor, are you growing? And are you setting a pace where that's expected? That, that's a really super important well, I think another thing they do really well as 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 a distinctive an organizational leader is they assess departmental strategies in a lot of the of the whole organization. And I think that's pretty self intuitive. I think they, I think as a leader, you recognize that you're looking at the whole and does everything align mm-hmm. to moving things forward. But this this next one I think is is really critical, and I think is often where 
organizational leaders kind of get stuck um, because there there is not a willingness sometimes to embrace change, creativity, risk taking, and innovation. And uh, I, I'd love for you to just kind of unpack that because really. A, 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 an organizational leader has to be able to embrace change. Right. They have to be able to embrace some risk. Yeah. Uh, or or in this case, in, in within a church faith, right? I mean, sometimes you have to, I mean, we've talked about this. You, you set a vision not knowing, I mean, God's given you this, this vision, but then you set that out there and you're like, I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to hit this or not. <laughs> Are we going to pull this off or not? You know? You know so there's that. Moses that felt the same way. Right, when that he element was of faith and risk and innovation and creativity. So maybe jump a little bit on that. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on on some of that. Yeah. You know, I honestly, the definition of leadership uh, is moving people from point A to point B, right? That's, that's what a leader does. He's leading the way going somewhere. Uh, if you're not doing that, you're, you're just a, you're an organizational manager, you're not an organizational leader, right? You're just managing kind of things, uh, the status quo. But if you're leading an organization, then you have to be casting vision, moving people down that direction and or- and lining people up to get to where you need to go. And so that implies change. Leadership, by definition, is change. You are moving people into an unknown area. And with that comes a lot of risk-taking. And I think as a younger leader, you know, I, I did, we'll, we'll do a podcast one day just on vision, you know, and how do you get that? Where does it look like? But but as a younger leader, just having to identify, okay, what is vision? How do I set the course and how do I move people toward it? And there is some sense that I don't know if this is going to work or not. You know, that's 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 part of that um, role of a leader. But I think that's why you know, every leader has to have a sense of great faith that God has called us to this. It should be done. It must be done. There's a sense of passion and burden to it. And that people will get on board with that. And then you can begin to see it happen and Glenn, there's nothing like it. You know, there's nothing in the world. I mean, I just, I love that more than preaching. You know, even though I love, I love preaching. I mean, uh, preaching is kind of to me, both a blessing and a burden, you know, it's every week, you know, and I got to crank it on. And, and, but, but what I really love is when you can say, Hey man, look how God gave us this vision and how he went before us and he opened up doors. I came here one time when early, early on you and I were in this church in Oklahoma and, and we were doing some little thing. The church didn't really have much money. It was, you know, it, was, it, it just struggled financially to just make it. And I was really stretching them to build a carport thing. I mean, it was like, right. it was nothing, right? But I said, we're going to raise the money in one day. And they were like, no, we can't make budget. We can't raise the money in one day. And it was like, God just really told me, just just test me on this, try me on this. And, and so we cast a vision out there. We're going to try to raise this money for this little entry area. And as simple as that is, um, it was a big step of faith. It was. And, and I can remember, I was so worried that we weren't going to hit it. We weren't going to make it. <laughs> and I sat down with a guy that was a senior leader in the church and he was an attorney. He was, he, he had resources and I met him for, for lunch and, um, and I wanted to, him to participate, but I, I didn't really know at that point how to ask. I thought that was, yeah, I was just growing. I just, right. just wasn't sure how to do it. And, um, and after we we talked about it, and after he left, he got up to leave, and he dropped an envelope on the table, and he walked off, and and I opened up that envelope, and it was exactly the amount that we needed. Mm. 
for that. And you know, I, I get emotional now thinking about it because at that moment I said, God, you really will go before us. Yeah. You know? And um as simple as that was, it, God was showing me, Craig, I am faithful. Mm. If you will follow me, and we can go somewhere. This is yep. this is just this is just an entry. Yep. <laughs> you know, there's a whole lot of bigger bigger vision ahead of you. Yeah, but I think when I look back at that, that led to another faith, large faith step, which was right. bigger than the one before. Right. And, and there was this where a church had been paralyzed for years to right. make some decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this new found sense of, hey, God is going to provide when he speaks and he gives direction. Yeah. And it was, I, I do, because it was then another step that we took that probably wouldn't would have been even but even more but because there was this first initial step of obedience and the next one and then then these risks though still were risks they people were like okay we we've seen god provide we've seen him step mm-hmm. up and yep. do it and i think that is what a leader leader does is he or she really is at a spot of saying hey man we're we're doing what god has called us to do and it's just absolutely imperative as a part of a leader to embrace that change, that creativity, that risk-taking and innovation, and, and to push your team to do that. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, those come, in, as you said, they come in steps. And I think as a young leader, it's important to know, you know, you don't have to, you know, uh, the, the promised land wasn't conquered with one big move. Mm. It was conquered, you know, one city at a time, one territory at a time, one district at a time. And you build credibility as a leader as you prove yourself to be, you know, trustworthy in every step along the way. And kind of like in that case, it was just an entry, but that led to other things, which not only led to building facilities, but building ministries and risk-taking in other campuses and overseas missions and launching churches in inner city and all that. I mean, all those things, I, you're right. You could kind of dial it back to this one little entry that was a, a, a step of risk and faith that that kind of bolstered the, that congregation to try new levels of risk. And that's the role of the leader. And um, that's the thrill of it. That's the risk of it. <laughs> that's the faith of it, right? It's just, God, am I hearing you? And Lord, I'm trusting you in it. And you do need to hear from the Lord on it. You know, I mean, it's not like you're just picking something to, yeah. to shoot for. Uh, but when people see that you're truly seeking God and then you're leading them in a in a righteous way, in a way that's in alignment with the mission, um, people want that. I mean, right. that's what they want. That's what you want a pastor, right? right? Exactly. Well, this last one I think is is a critical as well. And again, that's why they're called distinctives here. But the, the uh, uh, organizational leaders shapes the culture of the organization through their values and through their behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being in a in a large church in Atlanta, and we were we were meeting with some leaders there, and I noticed these big uh, framed you know posters on the wall that talked about their values. You know, their values. We believe in God's word and prayer and all that kind of thing. And I made a comment about, uh, yeah, I like those values on the wall. And one of the guys there said, "You know, those don't shape values at the church." I said, "Really? What do you mean?" He said. The behavior of the leader is what shapes the culture. Mm. 
how you, if you really pray, then that shapes the culture of prayer. You know, if you really are people that step out in faith, if you, if you're people of, if you really embody evangelism, then the, then the, the, the culture is shaped by the behavior of the leader, the, the organizational leader, not just what they say they're going to do. And I think that's really true. You know, as I kind of look back in my own life, you know, that the, if I'm embodying making disciples, then that comes kind of the culture and expectation that everybody's going to do. If I'm kind of blowing it off, everybody else will blow it off too. So, you know, what kind of culture are you shaping? Maybe if you don't like the culture you have, it may be, you know, you may have to look in the mirror and say, you know, am I creating this culture inadvertently that is not healthy? And what do I need to do to change my behavior to shape the culture in a better way? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, that, that is a, a very wise thing as you say that because it there there is so much to be said about this that you know this idea of modeling what the expectation is and you only going to reproduce what you are you're only you know it's only going to go as far as you are yep. and and so i i can't agree more that as an organizational leader you model these values and you model the behavior you set the pace um uh, and and i think then the people will, will often follow that, and um, and I think the reason why sometimes uh, organizations wrestle with this is because their leader is not representing the values and behaviors that are consistent with what's what's being said or what's being expected, right. and they do just the opposite, and that never that never works out really well. You know, Glenn, I was just thinking, I'm. Uh, I'm not asking you to say names or tell all by any stretch, but you've been in you've been in different churches and you've seen cultures that were healthy and good, and then you've seen cultures that were toxic, you know, and bad. and And I'm I'm guessing that when you look back on those experiences, you could probably say, well, yeah, I could see how the leader their behavior impacted and created that environment. Absolutely, hundred percent. One hundred percent. I I have worked for some really, really good leaders, mm-hmm. and then I've worked for some leaders who have all the leadership paralysis. And I mean, they have everything, right? But they are not good leaders because, mm-hmm. in many ways, they did. They were their actions and their values and their behaviors did not line up to what they were what they were saying or what they were expecting, and so yeah. it it it. It minimized the results because um, everybody was like, well, you're not even doing what you expect others to do. Right, right. And um, yeah, it, was, it's, it can be very disappointing and very demoralizing mm-hmm. if an organizational leader is not uh, – and I think it does have a morale issue on the team if the organizational leader is not uh, you know, leading out in this way. And, yeah. and leading at the top from it, right. uh, you know, it's it's such a wonderful thing as a as a as a chair two guy to you know to when we're in our in our membership class and our discovery groups to be able to say to people, hey, what you see as our leader up on stage that you see him on every Sunday and who he is up there is who he is uh, on a day by day basis. It, there's no. I mean, he's this—he's just the real deal, and I, I, man, that that that's incredibly wonderful as a, as a guy sitting in my chair mm-hmm. to say, hey, and and as I'm working with other churches, saying, hey, my my 
my boss is doing all of the things that we're we're talking about. I mean, he's not just making this all up or we're not just making all that. he's we're all doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you moral authority, right? Hey, I'm doing it. I'm li- I'm embodying this. Let's do this together. Right. And it calls but that's what Jesus did. You know, as we kind of pivot to how Jesus developed these kinds of organizational leaders, these leaders that would lead the movement. Yeah. You know, movement builders. Right. Uh, Jesus always did by embodying it himself and saying, follow me, follow my example. Whoever claims to live in him, one of your great, your most favorite verses, 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked, to live as Jesus lived. And um, I love that about Jesus. I love that about his leadership style, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just barking orders. You know, he was modeling it and embodying it himself, and they were catching it. Mm. And uh, what a great way to lead, you know, just leading by example, leading with integrity and people catching it. Um, man, we, we would all do better doing more of that. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Jesus so incredibly, one of the things that made him such a great leader is he he lived with that end in mind, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, ultimately, not only do I want to please the father and do the father's will and achieve his his agenda not my agenda but the father's agenda but he he lived it out in such a way that the here and the now was representative of what of what was going to be moving forward right so i with yeah. that thought in mind with the end in mind so that's that's great another one is that jesus prioritized spiritual intimacy and fruit bearing yeah you know when you look at how jesus developed these organizational leaders he, um, you know, he really talked about, hey, you can't do this just in your own flesh. Mm. You know, you, you know, you, you get to John 15. I mean, these are the last moments that Jesus has with his disciples, you know, and he's just drilling down, you know, that, that your ability to lead at, at, at this, this growing movement is going to come out of your dependence on the Holy Spirit. And and you bearing fruit out of out of your walk with God, and I just think that wow, what a, what a great way that Jesus prioritized. Hey, if you're going to lead at this level, it's going to have to come from the Spirit of God yeah. working in and through you. And you know how many leaders have we seen that have fallen, you know, and tumbled into sin and all kinds of terrible things, and it's just somehow they started this way, but Glenn, they just you know they just got. They just got off, you know, and no, and there wasn't a moment that said, I'm going to not walk in the spirit anymore, but you know, they just stopped, stopped spending time with the Lord stopped spending time in prayer. You know, they just had to get the demands done and slowly, but surely their own uh, spiritual walk with God began to atrophy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I couldn't agree more with that. And I, I just, the word it always comes to mind when I, when I see this is this idea of being fully present, mm-hmm. right? That I, I genuinely need to be fully present with God and and the filling of the Spirit and and you know that Jesus had this this constant Holy Spirit dependency in His mm-hmm. life as He was doing you know His ministry on the earthly level um, that He you know and that's that's our next one you know is yeah. that this um, that He developed leaders to have a depend a Holy Spirit dependency yeah. You know, I know you've just come back from sabbatical, mm-hmm. you know, first sabbatical in 26 years. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? Wow. <laughs> we should do that more often. You know, what do you think? <laughs> but but I know that this was one of the things that, that you know, God was really revealing to you is just, um, you know, what is it like to, um, you know, continually depend on the Spirit of God and to... 
um, to have margin in your life to do that. What, what are some of the things that you learned from that? Yeah, you know, I think that um, sometimes as we're doing ministry, uh, again, I think this kind of totter, you know, teeter totters between these two, but, you know, you, your, your doing can outpace your being, right? Yeah, that's good. And there can be a deficit, so to speak, a, a gap. Mm. And, you know, just making sure, being careful that, um, you know, because I can do ministry, I can lead, I've been doing it long enough, but if, if, if there is not a sense of every day of being dependent on the Spirit and saying, honestly, as much skill and as much learning as I have, I cannot depend on myself because at the end of the day, I, I will screw it up yeah. really bad. Um, or I, I will do something out of my own, for my own motive, my own desire, rather than really it being birthed out of the Spirit of God working in me and through me. One, one of my learnings, you know, as I was spending time with my, um, some of my mentors on my sabbatical yeah. was this whole idea that, you know, hey, the, 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 it is impossible to do the Christian life apart from Christ living it in you and through you, this Holy Spirit dependency piece. Mm-hmm. And the moment we kind of start depending on ourselves, we're in, in a really bad spot. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it goes back too to that idea of being, you know, I've got to be fully present. I've got to be, you know, really taking the time to slow myself down spiritually so that I can meet with the Lord and not rush through all of that just so I can get on the other side of what it has to be done. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so good. One other thing that Jesus did in training organizational leaders is that he challenged them to move past failure. You know, you think about John 21, this is the restoration of Peter, you know, after his big denial. And and I always love that because part of, part of it is my, my call into ministry is wrapped around that story. Um, but I love the fact that Jesus restored him because G, uh, Peter's greatest contribution was going to come on the other side of his greatest failure. Mm. You know, he wasn't, not only was he not washed up, he hadn't even hit his stride yet. Right. And, and it was, it was on the other side of that, that he would preach at Pentecost and the movement of the church and what Peter went on to lead and do. Um, and so I think many times we we experience failures and maybe if you've experienced failure as a senior pastor, as a senior leader, and you think, well, I'm just kind of done now. You know, there's nothing else I can do that um, Jesus realized that, hey, we have to move past our failures, even even if it's not catastrophic failures. It's not like I, I, I got fired or I, you know, had some moral failure, but but it can just be I just didn't, I, I failed in, in reaching this objective or I didn't do this right, to not be afraid of it. You know, sometimes fear of failure can just paralyze you completely. Right. And to realize that, hey, failure is, and this is not some self-help, you know, quote, it's just, it's just true. You know, failure is a part of life. You know, it's just, we're going to fail in a lot of things. And if we learn from those things and they make us better, then, then, then we're getting better as we go. And we can't be afraid to fail. We just have to, um, we have to realize that even in our failures, we can, we can move past those. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that this is just some really, really good stuff for those of you who are serving as an organizational leader or maybe even aspiring at some point to be mm-hmm. an organizational leader. What are those skills that are needed? How did Jesus go about 
you know, building that. And if you're an organizational leader, how are you, as you think in mind uh, of maybe the the next person coming up underneath you or what uh, what are these skills that, that as Jesus was developing, what are the skills you need to be developing in, in those underneath you? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I just leave with this challenge is just that to just continue to remind all of us as leaders who are leading at this level is to lead with that, that missional focus, yeah. right? That, yeah. um, you know, Jesus was always laser focused mm-hmm. um, on, on the mission. Yeah. And so his activities were um, very much directed towards being, being laser focused on that. And, um, and so again, that's just a, a, a great, great reminder uh, you know, I, I remember Dawson Trotman, um, one of my spiritual heroes who I will obviously never meet this side of heaven. He was the guy that um, was uh, the one that really was the founder of the navigating right. navigators um, used to say frequently that activity was no substitution for productivity. Mm. And I think sometimes as leaders, when you think about this focus, we can get so busy as organizational leaders doing activity that we somehow think that that's going to mean we're being productive. Right. But are we really locked in, laser-focused, and really, really clear on what activities need to happen in order for the most productivity to move forward mm-hmm. so that the kingdom of God, so as we're cooperating and aligning with the kingdom of God, that that really the God's agenda gets borne out. So, Craig, thank you for, uh, you know, spending some time with me over these uh, these last 10 episodes, The Disciple Making Leader. Absolutely. It has been a blast. <laughs> it has been. And I want to encourage you, if you have any interest in this book, it uh, you can get it on our website at uh, disciplefirst.com and go under the resource, uh, uh, resource link, or you can actually go onto Amazon and order it through Amazon. Um, I think you'll be blessed by having that book. Also, too, just a reminder that as an organization, we really do want to come alongside ministry leaders to help them make and multiply disciples like Jesus. And if we can help you in the area of training or coaching and even resourcing, we would love to do that because that really is our heart and our passion uh, to really help uh, churches lock in and ministry leaders lock in on that. And I also want to just say that uh, we'll also be having more and more uh, disciple making leaders coming, uh, disciple making leader pastors podcast coming online. We're also going to be doing an, uh, a new, another one wrapped around a new resource that we're getting ready to launch here in just a little bit. Um, maybe give a little quick teaser on yeah that. absolutely well this new resource coming out is called his way still works and basically it is how to create a disciple making philosophy of ministry on your team you know, what we found glenn is that many times we're busy doing you know disciple making things right we're investing in people we're doing all that but the team doesn't fully understand why we do that you know what what is it behind that and what is lacking is a clear disciple making philosophy of ministry. And so we go back and we look at 36 key events in the life of Jesus and then extracting from that um, then we begin to see here are seven core convictions that need to be embodied in a disciple making 
church. And uh, that forms and begins to shape out what a disciple-making philosophy ministry should be. So I, I'm excited about it. We're going to release that at the first of the year and uh, super thrilled to, to be using that. And hopefully it'll be beneficial to your church. Yeah, great. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. And we hope that this content's been really good for you. And, uh, and we look forward to more podcasts in the future. Again, this is Disciple Making Leader. Have a, we just uh, pray that God will use you to make and multiply disciples and to ignite a movement of multiplying disciples here and around the world. Thank you for listening to the Disciple Making Leader podcast brought to you by Disciple First. We hope today's episode has been both helpful and challenging in your journey to becoming a disciple making leader. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure you hear the next episode. And if you have a moment, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, keep making Jesus the model for your life and ministry.